You are listening to Get Real Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our regular programming to bring you this very important announcement. Get Real Mania has swept the nations. Glenn, a few weeks ago, we were, um, we were talking, my concept of time is completely off and your release order confuses me. That's what I do is I, (laughs) my job in life is to confuse you. Yeah. I don't really know what's going on. Anyway, we did a, uh, a podcast about nihilism Mm -hmm. and about all the ologies and about the scariest thing in the world and about trembling rejection and vandalism. Yeah. And that was a big, massive kind of meatball thing. But um, I, I, I thought it was uh, it was pretty interesting. And I know you kind of started taking notes and getting that look in your eye. I know that look in your eye. But I did want to comment on some things. When you start going through all the ologies. Urology? Yeah. <laughs> I thought about that all week. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Can't take you anywhere. Uh-uh. Um, but I, I thought about all the different ologies in my life, and for real, I'm kind of going, yeah, I'm sorry, I reject your nihilism, mm-hmm. and I don't trust where you're taking me anymore. So if it's about atoms, if it's from NASA, if it's Einstein, if it's um, quantum theory, if it's string theory, if it's if it's anything that I've heard, I'm reevaluating all of it and puts you in a weird place, I think hate to say it, but it puts you in kind of a conspiracy theory position. It, it does. And a lot of it, we really don't know much and we don't know everything. I do know for a fact that scientists have discovered that the speed of light is actually slowing down. So it is variable. So it is so variable. So the constant is not constant. The constant is not constant. Even Sorry, the constant, fans. But even that is nihilistic. Yeah. Even that which you can lean your elbow on, the only constant thing, everything else is just... Spinning into nothingness. And oh, by the way, you can't even rely on the speed of light. See, immediately I hear that and I'm like, okay, scientists, they can go smoke their own underwear. I don't, <laughs> I don't really. Yeah, and I and I'm doing that on purpose. But right. there's a balanced way. I mentioned some stuff because listen, y'all, I'm not a flat earther, but I looked at things. If you go and you look up, like there's this one guy, Eric Dubay, he's not a believer. But he's got a video on YouTube, which YouTube and Google are really trying to hide from people. Why would you want to hide it? But it's called 200 Proofs That the Earth is Not a Spinning Globe. If you watch that, and I'm not saying that you have to believe one thing or the other, but there's legitimate smart people, pilots, former snipers, um, doctorate in engineering, people that have a doctorate in engineering, that believe what he's saying. And I read a book from the 1800s, and I'm like, whoa, this should not be up for debate. This should be fifth grade science project. You know, the Earth's a globe tilted at 66.6 degrees and spinning and doing all this stuff. So my point is, it's not just that, but almost everything that I look into, I'm like, somebody was just trying to get me to the dock of the bay and get me in a really bad mood and with nothing to live for and want to sell me stuff. That's what I feel like. So I I don't know, Glenn. We don't know what we don't know. And for us to think that we can comprehend the entire universe is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, the universe is much bigger than we are. God is 
a lot bigger and a lot more powerful than yeah. us. And for us to say, oh, guess what? We figured it out. Eh, sorry, we didn't. But you and I were talking one day yesterday, as a matter of fact, that one thing that we can settle on is Romans chapter eight. Yes. Yes. And, you know, that's the refreshment whenever I feel like, whoa, because like we were talking about how scary the word is and how some Christians just kind of act like it's not, you know, we're um, but it's like at the same time, Romans chapter eight is so sublime. It's mind blowing. There's nothing on earth anywhere like it at mm-hmm. all. And it's more powerful than all the scary. But yep. it took the backdrop of that scary to really put it in proper perspective. I think you mentioned something about homework that. assignment for all of our listeners this week. Homework, homework, Come on, Glenn. homework. They don't want homework. Oh, okay. Uh, challenge. Oh, there get, we go. Get real challenge. There we go. Read Romans chapter eight. Oh, okay. That's that. Time that's the homework. That homework. Okay. That's the homework. That's good homework. Romans chapter eight. You can read it. That's been argued, and I know Donnie mentioned it, and I um, I know that uh, the guy on um, Ligonier. Um, R.C. Sproul. R.C. Sproul. And the guy that was teaching the Romans chapter 8, it was so wonderful. And he mentioned this is considered the best part of the whole entire Bible. And Glenn has been doing his homework. And guess what is finally up on the lithoscry.com website? Our resource page. Oh, yeah. With a link to Ligonier Ministries, as well as What Shall I Cry Ministries. Nice. And... Revelation Resistance Podcast. Yeah, pray for Donnie with What Shall I Cry? He's been getting hit with like copyright strikes and all these all these churches that are really more like corporations, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. are coming after him pretty strong. And um, you know, I I it's uh so pray for him as he uh walks through just the minefield. YouTube kind of stinks, man. It used to be kind of the Wild West. It was awesome. Not anymore. No, it, a lot it, of censorship kind of there. Stinks. So anyway, I do think that there is a balanced way that somebody can push back on all the ologies without going complete tinfoil hat. And what you kind of do is just push back on all of them and then just sit there and go like, no, I'm just going to listen and soak in and listen and then lean on the, the word and lean on the Holy Ghost and lean on your reason and just kind of navigate your way through it, and then um, you can join me on the island of misfit toys. What the problem is is that she blinded me with science. <laughs> <laughs> there was cool eighties music was wild. That, that, that was wild. You know, it was okay to be weird, you know. Yeah. And I, I know you can seek out weird now, but weird is not mainstream. Mainstream, means mainstream mm-hmm. is pathetic. It is. Did you see any of the Grammy stuff? I didn't, and I am very glad that I didn't. I tell you the truth, I really don't care. As much as I love music, that was not. I was watching comments come up on Facebook. Uh, from some of our friends and some of our listeners, and it's like, uh, yeah, Dude, it's just all not into it. you know. Okay, I'm it's putting all on my, rigged. T- it's I'm, rigged. I'm putting my 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 tinfoil hat on. It's social engineering. It you, is. You know that it is. It's totally. they're promoting a narrative with really people that aren't that talented. And I'm not trying to boast that I got all this talent. No, but it's like, come on, people used to be world class. Yep. Yep. It used to be world class. You look at Boston, you look at Heart, you look at, oh, I mean, just good Phil music. Phil Collins and Genesis. Oh, yeah. 38 Zeppelin. Oh, I mean, just man. Tool. The you Who. Know? And, you're, the who, and you're like, whoa, the, like in Twistle on the bass, just just tearing it up. Um, uh, and, but now you look at some of these groups and it's like, okay, it's auto tune. Uh, yeah, we got auto tune. Okay. And then we got a, an electric uh, beat track and we have uh, auto tune. You know, yeah. it's like, it's just, that's why I really appreciate the artists that we 
interview because they're genuine yeah, and they're it's real. real music. They're real. It's it's not fake. And they're singing about something <laughs> real and not just some weird construct that somebody wants me to be just a dopey uh, consumer, right? Yeah. Don't yeah. get out of line. And Billie Eilish, who walked away with all the Grammys, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that at a later date. But we are going to talk about heaven and hell today. Yes, we are. We have to get real. Y'all, so, Glenn's got that look in his eye. I'm going to oh, lean I've been on waiting. you. Brother, I'm going to wait. I'm going to sit in the navigator uh, seat over here, and you're going to pilot this bad So part. that means you're going to be Chewbacca today? Yeah, I'm going to be. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Hyperspace. Well, Chewy, let's, punch it. Okay, let's punch it. What do we have here? Let's cue it up. Oh, damn. Mm. Do you mind oh, if I... Can I hold my lighter oh, up? I don't yeah, have a man. lighter, but... That sounds so family-friendly and kids-safe, doesn't it? And it just... It just draws you in. It was like a rainy day and like... Uh, it does. It does. For those of you that don't know what that is, that's the intro to John Lennon's... I don't think Imagine. anybody didn't get that. Well, you know, you don't know, but... Let's go here and now. It's time the Billie to... Eilish fans missed that. One. <laughs> they missed that one. So let's let the lead out here a little bit. Oh yeah! That sounds kind of scary, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. So, which one of these songs do you think has more logos truth in it? John Lennon's "Imagine" or Black Sabbath's "Heaven and Hell." You asking me or you asking the listeners? I'm asking. You know oh, okay, that I, I know, know what you're going to say. So, listeners, all right, which do you think has more logos? Heaven and Hell by Black Sabbath or Imagine by John so Lennon? Dark, ominous, scary music that is um, could frighten little children and small animals against that soothing, just, you know, ra- um, rainy day, just kind of. God frightens small animals and children. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've. Here's the interesting thing. I started to, there's just so much just out of just this Black Sabbath song, and we're really going to get into it. And this is the beginning of Ronnie James Dio when he was with Black Sabbath. Ozzy had left because he was way too out of control for him and very unreliable. Uh, they had to let Ozzy go. And they brought in Ronnie James Dio. I've always had a very deep appreciation and a fascination with Ronnie James Dio. Mm-hmm. Either the man was barely saved or what you and I have talked about on the phone, a just man. There's a lot more to him than the rock and roll. As a matter of fact, he started out doing doo-wop with a doo-wop band. Interesting. What year did he take over? Uh, He took over in 1980. Okay. Was when he took over with Black Sabbath. I thought that was going to be the the end of Black Sabbath. But he wrote this song, Heaven and Hell, and he did it because he had a passion. He had a passion for kids that were lonely that were lost you read a lot of the interviews that he had with vh1 uh, rolling stone mtv he would talk a lot about how we have the choice to be either good or evil and that there is good and evil in the world and many years ago i saw ronnie james dio i saw rainbow in the dark great video and i saw him on top of the skyscraper building with his hair flying in the wind and the leather on. And that's when I first started thinking, I was like, there's something John the Baptisty about this. Hmm. And I was like, you know, Ronnie James Dio, kind of prophetic in a way. Now the gifts are without repentance. You can be a prophet and not saved. Bible says that there are going to be many that wind up standing in front of Jesus. They're like, Lord, I prophesy in your name. He's like, yeah, who are you? Yeah, I, sorry, I didn't know you. 
Is that his real last name? No, is that a stage name? that's a stage name. Dio. Doesn't that refer to Dios or, or It does. God? Dio is Italian for God. His okay. real name was Ronnie James Padavona. I don't think that would have sold. Okay. <laughs> so his doo-wop band eventually evolved into another band called Ronnie Dio. And Ronnie the- Rodrigo Padagona. I really <laughs> I love, love his you. music. I love your music. <laughs> it's a ragu spaghetti night. <laughs> This duo band evolved into a band called Ronnie Dio and the Prophets. Hmm. Interesting. So you see Ronnie Dio, Ronnie James Dio come out here with Black Sabbath, very dark and ominous. And then you have John Lennon, very, hey, hey, you know, peace, brother. Well, it took me to Luke chapter 7, verse 25, when Jesus was talking about John the Baptist. And he said, what went ye out for to see a man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they which are gorgeously apparelled and live delicately are in king's courts. John the Baptist was not that. And at that time that Jesus made that statement about those being delicately dressed and very pretty and soft, he was referring to a... The Beatles. <laughs> yeah, the Beatles. <laughs> a sect of the scribes that had sold out to royalty at that oh, time. Oh, yeah. That they sold out. So what? And the fair raiment. If you really do the deep dive on it, it's really disgusting. We can talk about that in a later podcast as to what was going on. Extremely perverse. It involved young men. That's what was going on, and that's what they had sold out to. So just because something is soft and something is inviting and something sounds very calm and peaceful, does not necessarily mean that it's of God. Mm. And just because something is loud, noisy, brash scary scary does not mean that it's of the devil so let's hear what ronnie james dio has to say here and then we're going to take a look at what john lennon had to say so here we go here's a little bit more of ronnie james dio black sabbath heaven and hell stop right there and go for probably about an hour or two or maybe several editions ronnie wrote this song and he mentioned this in an interview that he did with vh1 he wrote this song in response to the religious community it really bothered him because at this time in 1980 everybody was oh heavy metal rock and roll it's of the devil oh yeah i remember That, that that was a big thing and what Ronnie's saying here, it's a conversation that he's having. The first, first few lines, sing me a song, you're a singer. Do me a wrong, you're a bringer of evil. He's speaking from the religious sex perspective. Oh, okay. Oh, you're the singer? Okay, yeah, you're evil. Do me some evil, singer, so we're going to set you up. And then he responds, the devil is never a maker. He doesn't make anything. Mm. He didn't make something evil. He just takes what God has and steals it. And, and I've heard that it. from many sources that say that if if you're evil, you can't create. 
and yeah. you can just pervert. You can you just know? you can just pervert, and there is scriptural basis for that. Colossians one sixteen, where it says, "For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities and powers, even the evil demons and devils that we have to fight in spiritual warfare were created by God." So once again, uh, for listeners too. You're essentially saying that this guy may or may not have been saved at this time. Yeah. And in the religious crowd would be like, no, especially back in 1980, he would have represented the devil the himself. The devil himself, yeah. But you're saying that God, regardless, spoke through him. Yes, exactly. He continues to address the religious crowd by saying, the less that you give, you're a taker. And he's addressing the church. And that's a sad state that the church has been in for many, many years. We are in the postmodern age. Oh, yeah. Now it's it's selfism. It's all about me. Absolutely. So here you have this guy up here on stage through heavy metal doing more preaching, more outreach than most of the church has done or has been has been doing. Uh, reminds me of where it says in Scripture, be doers of the word yeah. and not just not just hearers only. Uh, that's actually in James 1, 22. The less that you give, you're a taker, is what he says. Hmm. So, let's go on here. I like this song. It's oh, uh, very clear-cut dichotomy. It's either heaven or hell. There is no squish. Let's go over to John Lennon here for a second. Let's go back to Imagine, see what he has to say. Ah, oh, so peaceful. Imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. No hell below us. Above us. That sounds so nice, doesn't it? Mm. There's this big, scary God that executes wrath and judgment. There's a heaven and a hell. So I can't deal with that. So you know what I want to do is I just want to stick my head in the sand. Now, John Lennon's not saying here that there is no heaven, nor is he saying there is no hell. Hmm. He's just saying, imagine. And, huh, and I had to do, I did a little word study on imagine. You had that look in your eye. I knew you were up I, to I mischief. Did. I did. Total mischief and mayhem over here. A word study on imagine. There is no good connotation of using your imagination in scripture whatsoever. Uh, the Bible talks about tearing down vain imaginations. Well, Sesame Street, Captain Kangaroo, Barney the Dinosaur. Everybody told us that we ought to use our imagination, Glenn. What are you trying to tell me? I'm telling you that you have been deceived. As a matter <laughs> of fact, you go to, I saw this last night, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, the things that the Lord hates. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Hmm. And we're called to cast down imaginations. Now, one of the things that people don't realize about John Lennon is he struggled with the concept of heaven and hell. He struggled with the concept of Jesus. This song was written and came out in 1971, the year that you were born, born and the yeah. year before I was born. 
and Black Sabbath's Heaven and Hell came out in 1980. I have an inclination that this song really permeated society and permeated into the church. Imagine. Imagine. Mm. Yeah. Because it's, it, it's all peaceful. And we'll talk more about some of these lines in here, how it just doesn't make any sense at all. And our Logos breakdown of this song would last like five minutes. And we're going to go back to heaven and hell in just a few seconds here. But it really had an impact on the church and got us into this mindset. Well, you know, when you die, um, you know, maybe you just are away from the presence of the Lord. Or maybe it's just outer darkness or the universalism that, oh, God's just going to take everybody in anyway. It's very opiated. I mean, it's like, say, hey, imagine there's none of this. Just come into a false frame of mind, you know, numb yourself, right? Oh, absolutely. And it's a little bit weird because religion, he's essentially saying, you know, religion's the problem, it sounds like. And we'd be better off without any context of religious thinking. And on one weird point, I actually agree with that, but not in the sentiment by which he's saying. Right, yeah. Uh, We don't need to be taking swords to people or setting up a government system where we force people to believe. That is totally unscriptural. Exactly. But just going to to nihilism and and just going hog wild in that direction is ridiculous. Totally. And here's something that a lot of people probably don't know about John Lennon. In 1972, he was writing letters to Oral Roberts. Really? Yes. Yes. Author Steve Turner in his book, The Gospel According to the Beatles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Uh, there is a book, The Gospel According to the Beatles, quotes from Lennon's letter to Oral Roberts' response. Lennon wrote, explain to me what Christianity can do for me. Is it phony? Can he love me? And he says, I want out of hell. John Lennon wrote that to Oral Roberts. Was there a response? Yes. uh, In his reply, Robert shared Jesus's invitation to everyone to come to him and his promise, I will give you rest, Matthew 11, 28. Roberts continued, you said, John, that you take drugs because reality frightens you. You know, that's a a lot reason why a lot of people resort to drugs and alcohol. Glenn, that's a really good nugget, man. I've never heard that my whole life. I didn't know that he wrote. He wrote, yeah, he wrote, and he also called uh, Pat Robertson on the 700 prayer line once. So here you have a man. In the past, you and I are like, oh, that's just a demonically inspired whatever gush song right he was struggling the story behind the story is he had a hard time dealing with reality he had a hard time dealing with the reality of heaven and hell and here's the thing is a lot of people take this song it's like oh john lennon people like to be led so oh i'm just going to adapt what john lennon said when what john lennon's writing here is his inability to grasp and deal with the fear of god yeah not saying, oh, well, hey, uh, you know. Well, it's like what we talked about a, a week or two ago. It's like the word will leave you undone. You need the comfort of the Holy Ghost to be able to process that heavy word. Hell is too big for me. Heaven's too good for me. I don't deserve heaven. I'm like, whoa. And for him to do that, that's very interesting. Now, if I put my tinfoil hat on just for a second, uh-huh. there are people and supposed evidence that points to him as being one of those that kind of sold his soul from the very beginning Uh and that he was the Beatles essentially were a social construct and Tavistock, you know, it was this corporation of sorts. So it's weird. Maybe he was in that. If that, if my tinfoil hat is like the antennas pointed in the right direction, if some of that was true, maybe he was like feeling that, you know, when you get on the devil's payroll It didn't take long to figure out that this ain't going to turn out good. Well, we do know that most of your boy bands and most of your popular bands, they are social experiments. 
they're all guys that are just put together by somebody. And really what the driving force behind all of it is, is the almighty dollar. Yeah. It's the filthy lucre that's behind it. Hey, we're going to put together this boy band, you know, new kids on the block. Eh, You're showing your age, bro. Maybe some of them had talent or BTS, whatever that stands for. They were on the Grammys. Bowel trauma syndrome, I guess that stands for. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, But if you take a look at Ronnie James Dio's video, The Last in Line, what you were talking about with Tavistock and the social engineering, he alludes to that in the video, The Last in Line. Yes. So he probably wasn't in there. They had to replace Ozzy. And whether I don't... Ozzy... Who knows? I mean, I, I hear all sorts of stuff, but people get a little too far on the tinfoil hat. But um, yeah, I don't know, man. So let's go back to interesting he- yeah. nugget. Let's man. go seven hundred club. Seven hundred club. Yep. Back that early, it was different. They were refreshing. A it was little different. Bit. I, it was a different, different deal. You know. Yeah. Totally different. So let's go back to Ronnie James Dio on stage here, making it very clear that yes, there is heaven and then there is hell, and you've got a choice. <laughs> Stop right there. What did he say? The lover of life is not the sinner. Hmm. There's something in scripture about that too. We know it's amazing. I mean, if you're like trashing hotel rooms and you got girls throwing themselves at you and you're living the, the 1980 rock star world famous lifestyle, why do you sing about biblical topics? Because Dio was not that way ah. he was he was a strange strange anomaly. but you could have been i mean oh, he could have been he, he, he could have gone and trashed his as hotel a matter room. as a matter of fact we're going to go back to that scripture verse about the lover of life is not the sinner this was written in rolling stone magazine a farewell to dio this was an obituary that they wrote for him in may of 2010 after he passed and i was very sad when he passed because this is one of those individuals that i can connect with and there's something i'm going to say here that i want our listeners to hear when you listen to the intonations of his voice and the passion and the clarity, it's almost similar to the intonations of David Wilkerson. Okay. It's got that prophetic musical cadence to it. Yes. That's a really, yes, that's pretty wild, Glenn. So here's what Rolling Stone wrote about Ronnie James Dio after he, after he passed. It wasn't just his mighty pipes that made him Ronnie James Dio. It was his moral fervor. With Black Sabbath classics like Heaven and Hell or 80 solo classics like Holy Diver and The Last in Line, what always stood out was Dio's raging compassion for the lost rock and roll children in his audience. His fiercely anti-clerical religiosity, hmm, sounds like John the Baptist, his hatred for the kings and queens who blind our eyes and steal our dreams. Dio barely ever sang about women unless he was empathizing with them as Invisible, where he also empathized with gay teenagers, which was, to say the least, a bold move from a straight rock star in 1983. Continues on, so he made us feel like we were holy divers who'd been holding our breath too long, but someday we'd come up for air. We were Israelites who would one day shake off the Pharaoh's chains. We were rainbows in the dark waiting for some sign of the morning. Mm -hmm. So then they go on, they've got some of Ronnie James Dio's Proverbs. They have this uh, top 10 Dio Proverbs. I'm just going to... They they called them that? Yep, they called them that. Proverb number three. We're all born upon the cross from the last in the line. We're all 18. We're in between. We need a helping hand through the promised land. Invisible. Between the velvet lies, there's truth that's hard as steel. The vision never dies. Life's a never-ending wheel from Holy Diver. 
So those are some of the ones from him. He was very did, different. Did he have a church background? Don't want to jump ahead. His you can tell me the way. Okay. His and there's always a praying granny. You yep. know what I'm saying? His grandmother was very religious. You know, sometimes, Glenn, when we were ministering years back or whatever, we'd be doing some outreach, and then we meet somebody, and you can tell who's got like a patrimony of prayer in their heritage. You know, yes. it's like they respond, and they're like, well, my, my granddad or my grandmom, you know. Mm-hmm. Here's another thing they wrote about Ronnie James Dio in the obituary. Dio was famous for not being a dick. Huh. His gracious, gentlemanly manner was part of the mystique. So he was totally different than the, let's just go drink and trash a hotel room. All of his songs, and when you take a look at what he did with Rainbow, when he had Rainbow, and when he had uh, Man on the Silver Mountain, great song about Moses. And then what he did, just as Ronnie James Dio with that solo project there, there's a lot. When you watch the videos, it's like, okay, he's preaching. So that intonation of voice, it's a very clear voice. When you see him in the video, you do, you can look into his eyes and you don't see a level of darkness there that you see in certain individuals. But let's go back to this, what he says here, the lover of life is not the sinner. What were the scribes and Pharisees saying about Jesus? Who is this man who's coming and eating and drinking wine and bibber. wine bibbers, this gluttonous man, a friend of publicans and sinners? Oh my goodness. So here, Ronnie James Dio with Black Sabbath is taking a jab at religiosity and bringing us to a level of truth so that we can understand. So let's go on here and listen a little bit more. The ending, it's just the beginning. The closer you get to the meaning, the sooner you know you've been dreaming. Everything around us, and this goes what we were talking about at the beginning, everything around us is fake. The only thing that you can rest your hope and trust in is what you find in Romans chapter 8, what you find in Scripture. Everything is just a delusion. Because it, it really does resonate. You and I have been in a cult and been in and out of churches enough to go like, no, God loves people. He loves this guy, whether he ever went to church since he was eight years old, he's moving upon people. And this guy may not get all of the, see, that's where you and I may be kind of a dichotomy to people, like paradoxical in a way, because we're very technical when it comes to what the gospel is not based off the word. And if somebody's preaching about money or they're preaching positivity, they're just preaching this. It's like, nope, it's not the gospel, not the anti-venom, right? Right. But at the same time, we're very liberal Yes. When it comes to God moves and does whatever he wants, and we don't understand the mystery of his ways, you know, it's yeah. a big deal. And I'm still not settled in a lot of that. And the scripture even says there are certain secrets, certain mysteries that the Lord reserves for himself that he will not reveal to us. Yeah. Because he's God. And I apologize if I'm sounding a little stuffed up today, because guess what? I You're am a little stuffed, I am up. A little stuffed up. It is not coronavirus, so yeah. we're, uh-huh. we're okay. So let's continue here. There he is screaming out, fool, fool. It's foolish to think that you can avoid God. It's foolish to think that there is no heaven. 
It's foolish to think that there is no hell. It's foolish to think, and the scripture makes this very clear. The foolish man is the one who doesn't fear God. Yeah. And the fool is the one who calls evil good and good evil. That's foolishness. Very clear prophetic voice. This is stronger preaching than I've heard in a lot of your mega churches. Well, you think about it. If you're like a publican or you're like this guy in the temple that's like marking up like turtle doves, like marking them way up and one of like blind and it's got a wilted wing and you're like selling it like, yeah, here you go. And um, if you're doing that, that takes a denial that takes a, um, a lack of fear of God. If you're just a publican, you're like, look, I'm going to cheat people for a living. You're at least overt with it. You're like, I want money. I'm going to cheat. If you go into the temple or into the outer court, I guess, where they were selling all those animals and, and doing that stuff, the ones that Jesus whipped out of there, you know, it, it's like we don't have a fear of Lord. We're coming right up into God's temple and we're going to turn it into merchandise. And then we're going to turn our nose down at somebody that's that's um, a harlot or a publican. Exactly. That's like, I am what I am. It's weird. We actually get to that in this song. I'm always jumping ahead. You are. What was that? I didn't catch it. If it seems to be real, it's illusion. Yeah. What have we been talking about? Yeah. All right. So here we go. Ain't that the truth? For every moment of truth, there's confusion in life. Hmm. You know, it's actually very lyrical and very slow to be hard music. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, you know, I don't know if that's the time or what, but it's, it's, it's intense. Well, have you noticed this is black Sabbath and they don't have any pentagrams on the stage? Yeah. It's all crosses up there and they all have crosses on. Interesting. And there you go. Love can be seen as the answer, but nobody bleeds for the dancer. That's what you were just talking about a minute ago with the harlot. As a matter of fact, when they were working on developing this song, they would test it at the strip clubs. Okay. And the dancers loved it. So there's a little bit of background with this here. Interesting. But it's the opposite of what John Lennon said. Hey, let's just, uh, love, love, love's the answer. But nobody wants to lay down their life. Ooh, that sounds scriptural, doesn't it? Yeah. There was one who did bleed for the dance. Yeah, there's there's logos in this song. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's the complete opposite of what we hear in Imagine. Let's go to Imagine. Imagine, yeah. I mean, not to knock, we have fans that really love the Beatles and we're not trying to knock no. them, but this song is nauseating, actually. Imagine all the people sharing for today. Imagine all the people living for today and then living. That ain't going to happen. Yeah, it sounds like a communist utopia takeover. Basically, basically what this is, is hedonism to the max. And we know from Galatians 5 what hedonism is, the works of the flesh. Yeah, I don't think he's talking about (laughs) anarcho-capitalism. No, no. No, not at all. It isn't hard to do Nothing to kill or die for 
So if, if you have everybody living for today, Dan, what would your life be like if you lived for today? Intoxication. No Intoxication. <laughs> just uh, anything uh, goes. Yeah. And then people are actually going to live in peace if they're living for today. You can't have both of them together. Living for today, what the world would be like is if everybody lived for today, it'd be like Lord of the Flies. Piggy, yeah. I've got the conch. <laughs> it just doesn't work. This is a delusion that we can just all live in peace and hold hands you said it once before that if you go into a preschool Mm -hmm. and you see two toddlers and you put a tinker toy in front of them what's going to happen uh world war three exactly or if you put one slice of pizza in front of a entire sixth grade class what's going to happen yeah you're going to see the ten commandments unfold in the in a backwards Exactly. Sort of. And when we go back to scripture, you know, it's it's a nice concept and there will be one day where there is one government and that can only happen when Jesus returns and he's the omnipotent potentate of that country. But there was a reason why God split the nations. It's because everybody conspired to move and to work against God with the Tower of Babel. So it was necessary, this utopian concept. It did not work very well. And that's why we had Pangea break up into all these different continents that we have now. There's something... Uh, when people are young, when we were young and everything, and you're kind of, I guess, you haven't experienced enough of life, so utopian ideals seem very, oh, wow, everybody could just get along. And you're like, yeah, it's not going to happen. You're not that familiar with the logos of um, human nature and fallenness. And I wonder if this was a construct, you wonder if he was just preaching that, that this is the message that we're giving because it's going to hook a bunch of young people you know, with this nihilistic view on the world, this, um, or was it something that he really tried to embrace and then his reaching out to Oral Roberts, reaching out to Pat Robertson, whatever he did, if that was kind of a, you know, I'm finding that I want to just imagine all and we're all going to get along. And then he's like screaming at Yoko or, you know, something's going on. And it's like, he it's it he realizes that dude the darkness is within me what am i going to do we're all going to get along workers of the world unite we're going to come into some wonderful utopian society when i can't my heart is unruly i'm evil of heart and then you have somebody here that was in the industry how much of this could have been a reaction to having been in the industry and taken advantage of oh yeah in the industry and, and if, if you got all the money like you were saying if you have no restraint you got all that money you go fully into hedonism after a while, whatever it is that um, you think would be unbelievable, if you won the lottery and won $500 million and you had no moral restraint, like you were saying, and you just went out and you hit it hard every way and you made a mess of your life, after a while, the glimmer and glitter of fornication and cocaine and wh- whatever it would be, it's not that good. Some of the most miserable, messed up people in the world are the people that have limitless money. Well, it's not. You get burnt. Actually, if you look at it, most of the people that have won the lottery either wind up dead or broke. Yeah. When you have that limitless amount of money and you just do what you want, it does It does come to an end. You know, a lot of people don't realize this, but Black Sabbath really wanted to start out as a classical guitar group. Really? Yeah. 
<laughs> I'm not kidding. This was not on the horizon. And didn't they, aren't, don't most people say that they invented metal? They did, and it was by accident. This is where the term heavy metal comes from. Tony Iommi, the guitarist for Black Sabbath, he was working in a factory, and he went home for lunch one afternoon and told his mom that he was going to start a rock band or a classical guitar band is what he wanted to do. And she's like, no, you're going back to work. So he went back to work and he got his fingers caught in a machine and it chopped off several of his fingers. So to cover up what he didn't have for classical guitar, power chords, power chords and distortion. And that's how heavy metal came about. (laughs) It was through an industrial accident. Oh my goodness. All right. Yeah. I mean, these guys are the godfathers of heavy metal. All of these posters around in this room that we're sitting in in the fishbowl would not be be here here. without them. Okay. So here's where we pick it up a little bit. Gets a little bit more exciting. And there's some some key points that I want to talk about here, too. say that life's a carousel spinning fast you've got to ride it well the world is full of kings and queens the ones in fine linen fine garments fine raiment who blind your eyes and steal your dreams it's heaven and hell oh well and they'll tell you black is really white the moon is just the sun at night Mm. So those that wear the fine raiment don't even get me into cosmology uh there we go in, in, in ology and that's what those who present themselves as being soft and fine raiment and very approachable, may I say angels of light, hmm. would do. Hey, black is really white and white is really black. What does Isaiah say about what are those who call evil good and, and good, good evil. evil? Yeah. Well, this whole song, I mean, it, it's basically saying there is good and evil and the sources of it are not as they're labeled. Like you go out into the world, you're riding the carousel. Oh, the king and the queen, the leader, the the professor, the lab coat, the guy in charge, the person doing the PowerPoint. A lot of times that's that's the evil one. That's the evil one. And they look like the, the source of truth and they claim that, you know, and this guy, you would never think you would get logos from a bunch of people doing the the devil hook them horns, whatever thing. And with all these crosses and looking like it's all about blasphemy, but they're up there singing something that resonates with, um, with truth. It's amazing. Ronnie James Dio was the one who was the one that really started the, well, we call them devil horns, but that was a sign that his grandmother would do to ward off evil. Okay. That's why you see him do that so often. Ronnie James Dio was not a Satanist. Interesting. He will tell that to you in his interviews. As a matter of fact, he will tell you, in the interviews that what he tried to do in his music was to warn people to stay away from evil. Imagine there's no No metal. (laughs) (laughs) But really what you have here is you have John Lennon that's, can I get out of this hell? That really breaks my heart for, I mean, I know he's gone tragically and, and I'd read a lot of conspiracy theory stuff around John Lennon, but to hear that he at least cried out like that, that it gives me hope because it's not, we feel so, we kind of get involved with a group think, 
comfort ourselves that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in this this particular group. I do the right things. I don't smoke the wrong things. I don't drink the wrong things. I, I don't use the wrong words. And there's so much of that um, overt kind of moral religiosity. And I'm not mocking holiness. No, no. But you can put that on without it really being righteous. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. You can easily go, well, okay, I'm going to well, be You can be the most moral person in the world and be straight on the way to hell. Yeah. Morality and can damn you. Morality you can damn you. Back. I got to bring that back. As a matter of fact, John Lennon in 1966 made the statement that the Beatles were bigger than Jesus. Interesting numerology. Very interesting numerology. I wonder what behind the day that. was that he said that. We'll have to go back and we'll have to take a look. That caused moral uproar in the United States. But if you look at the United States in 1966, things were very different here. Back then, everybody went to church. People that didn't believe went to church because it was the thing to do. It was how you attain social status. Oh, yeah. It really and had if you nothing didn't, to do. If you didn't go, you were probably kind of an outcast. You were an outcast. It was like, whoa, what are you? Like, oh, did you see the scandalous divorcee? You know, it's like everything was different. And it was that's how you got business stigma. deals back then. And see, I'm a little bit tinfoil hat with the Beatles because I I've done reading and it sounds ridiculous, Glenn and I, our listeners just take me with a massive like grain of salt. I get it. I'm open to a lot of stuff and I'll listen and I'll read and I'll be like, eh, it doesn't make any difference, but I'm pretty sure that on September the 11th, 1966, Paul was replaced. And a lot of people say he was even killed off. And there was all those rumors and stuff, which is kind of interesting. But when you start looking at like the facts, the height, the eye color, the um, the weight, the fingerprints, and it's like, yeah, there's yeah. a little bit of a problem there. And it's supposedly in England, in the higher end circles, it's like just kind of a best kept, <laughs> like everybody knows it. Nobody talks about it. That, so, that was a big deal back then. That caused a lot of concern among Beatles fans, they, both here in the United States and in Britain. That right after thing. that, supposedly they didn't tour. They came out with all these beards. Their music changed into the kind of psychedelic Sergeant Pepper we sort of thing. We all live in and the yeah. yellow. Yeah. I still have You nothing. couldn't have recognized. And the blue I, meanies. I, I could have been one of the Beatles with all that get up on. And, and it's like. You could have been. You know. You and, could have um, been. So anyway, it, look into it. Most of the tinfoil hat stuff that I throw out, if I even throw it out, it's because it seemed substantial enough to mention and that's where I'm at with the flat earth. I'm like, I don't know if I trust NASA. I, I met one of the astronauts that supposedly walked on the moon uh-huh. and prayed with him and listened to his testimony, hung out with him for about an hour. And it was like one of the biggest deals in my life. And frankly, I'm not so sure about all that. Well, you know. actually also met Jeff Fenholt, didn't you? I did. And Jeff Fenholt was the lead singer Jeff. for Black Sabbath after Ronnie James Dio. And what happened with Jeff Fenholt? He got saved, he got man. Saved. He became yeah. a preacher. Didn't he just pass? He just passed not too long ago, yeah. He, he was, boy, he could sing like crazy. And he, I met him in Anaheim, and I was at this uh, particular convention, and me and uh, my college roommate were out there, and a buddy of his, and another buddy that's a good guitar player that's still in Southern California. We were all like talking to him after the thing and, and um, just hanging out with him. So that was a pleasure and an honor to be able to, to meet somebody like and that. And while we're on the topic of it, we do have to pray for Ozzy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that article about the, uh, the what, Parkinson's, Parkinson's and he knows yeah. he doesn't have much time left and he's got some new releases that are out now that really it's his farewell basically you can tell it'll be interesting to see what flows out of him now you know yeah it's like sometimes when you get a merciful uh what do you call it kind of a merciful cap to the thing you know and god's like okay and i'm not saying you know 
hopefully he can improve or whatever, but at least he's looking towards the finality of it all. And when you have somebody that's really passionate and they, they live and say whatever they want, and then they kind of boil it down, it could be some real wisdom flow out of him. And, yeah. and we do pray for his soul. That would be, um, and, and that's where I'm at. You and I are kind of like outcasts in a way, <laughs> and or maybe we've chosen that, but it's like, People don't have to be super religious to get born again. No, no. And, and, and man, I didn't see you really edified me mentioning that John Lennon. I mean, well, there's a little bit more about John Lennon, too. He, close to his death, he considered himself a Zen Christian. He tried to be born again. I don't know whether or not really he was regenerate by the Holy Ghost, but he tried it. And he even penned a few Christian songs that are really? obscure. Yes. Well, Glenn, tinfoil hat, if he did make some sort of pact involving secret societies, Tavistock, all this different thing, and they have to like pledge their life to this and they get into the numerology, it gets really demonic. It's Luciferianism, if what I've read is true. And then all of a sudden, if he wanted to turn away from that and get out of that, like I'll mention one name, Kanye West. And that's exactly what I Do was you understand? Oh, totally. There is a lot of luciferianism behind the music industry and maybe maybe john lennon was like i want out maybe they killed him off but maybe his soul got set maybe he re- cried out to christ that's a, that's a beautiful thing i i didn't know that glenn have you noticed that? that in the luciferian industry of the grammys metal is not one of the primary categories that they pay much attention yeah, to yeah have you noticed that yeah we've talked about i i think Metal is mathematical in a way. Metal is intense in a way, and it pushes. It's too intense. It's probably kind of like the Second Amendment. Yep. It scares people that are trying to shape a narrative because yes. it's it empowers people too much. In the next few weeks, we're going to talk about a Metal Grammy winner from back in 2016. Dan and I have been talking about this a little bit on the phone. As somebody who's perplexed me, kind of irritated me which is understandable but at the same time i think i finally got a grip on it and we're going to talk about ghost okay who was a grammy winner in 2016 and i think the grammys got something that they didn't bargain for in uh, okay. interesting we're going to talk about that i think they thought they were getting something that looked like what it was on the outside but really is kind of turning out not to be that way so we'll talk about that at a later date but who would figure Black Sabbath, the band that all the preachers told you to stay away from. Yeah. Even Ned Flanders listened to the Beatles. That He had the big Beatles collection. Remember that? Yeah, but that kind of fits. <laughs> okay, yeah, it, 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 kind, it kind of does. The band that everybody told you to stay away from is the one that really puts it out there. And Ronnie James Dio, whether he... I hope to see the man in heaven. I really do. Holy Diver, another great song. Eventually, we'll take a look at the last in line. We're going to have to do a video podcast of that one so that we can show certain things in there because he's very clear and very specific about certain things. But here's the thing. We make music and we make things. We're the ones that make it good or evil. There is good and evil in us. And that's what Ronnie James Dio has said in his interviews that we have heaven and hell in us. It's that duality of man. We're fallen. We're a complex creature really. And that was what he was driving home. Well, I wonder how merciful God is about missing orthodoxy. Like you and I, obviously, when we see somebody and they're like, this is the gospel when it's clearly not, we'll hammer them 
And the Bible says to do so. And the Bible says to do so. So it can get kind of technical and you can get, well, no, actually, this is what, no, actually, you're pushing works. No, actually. And there is theological clarity in certain areas. But people are distracted. People have devils moving all over them. People have short attention spans. People get involved with horrible churches and cults that skew and, you know, turn and harden and steal in the name of the Lord. And you, I just kind of wonder through all the ages, even before the advent of churches and all the different people, that is something that I think about often. I cling to the blood. I cling. I know without a shadow of a doubt that Romans chapter eight is true and it's applied to my life and it's the greatest thing. And at the same time, I go, oh God, you're merciful. I, I'm optimistic that, and I do think we'll have to do a, a podcast about it, but we've talked about it before, like where mercy and great light like where there's great light there seems to be a lot more judgment and accountability that's very biblical and then absolutely and then the opposite where there's you know uh, a ton of darkness there seems to be overwhelming mercy so you imagine that some of these people that were jaded or that they didn't know that much or that religiosity was all around them and but they were like oh god and they're they're looking for truth they're like what is the truth what is consciousness what is this I just, I, I really hope and I, I, I believe, and I'm not trying to wax anthropomorphic in the sense of saying, oh, God needs to be more compassionate. No, I stand and I tremble, but I'm just like, um, I'm refreshed to not fall into my previous notions of religiosity and mega orthodoxy, yeah. maybe, and to sit there and go, there's some people that cry out like the, the thief on the cross that, man, they're trash in hotel room. They're like this, they're on drugs. And they're like, oh, Jesus, would you? And they don't know much of anything, but they, they threw up a remember me. And we can get so technical. Well, their, their lifestyle did not. And they didn't show forth works that were fruit of their repentance. I get that. I get that. It's the word. But I also know that thief, he didn't have time to do much anything. And it's no. like, he's going to be right there at the front of the line, you know? Yep. And I'm like, um, you know, and it makes me very hopeful because if it's not, if it's just all bloated dead bodies, <laughs> <laughs> we joked about that earlier, um, about the nursery mural. But it's like, if it's all just like that, I can't handle that. God, that's God's department. And I can be hopeful and I can be loving. And there's something about the residence of when God in the scripture talks about love. He talks about it being triumphal, uh, about how it's the greatest and, and how that is what I have to cling to. And the yeah. backdrop... It's very important for God to let man know that, man, you're in a really bad predicament. So I get the negativity. And then when I look at it, I'm like, oh, God, be merciful to those that don't know. And John Lennon, you talking about being jaded. He was very jaded towards Christianity. He was kicked out of church as a young boy for laughing during a sermon. Okay. And that stuck with him. And you take a look at his life. He was born during an air raid during World War II. And his first memory as a child is an air raid. That has to be absolutely terrifying. Wow. So that would do so that would mess up your psyche really, really bad. Or, or possibly draw you into Christ or looking at it. And then if you have somebody like throw you out or, you know, yeah, exactly. That's interesting. I think boy, George had a bad experience like at church too. I think somebody pulled his pants down or did something horrible and it like scarred him and did whatever. I mean, people, they experience a lot of, I mean, ugh, I get it. I get the imagined song in one way. Yep. But then in the nihilistic way, I'm like, no, no. So when you listen to that song, don't listen to it as, hey, this is the way you should think. 
listen to it as this is what was going on in John Lennon's mind and what he was grappling with as a man. Yeah. And dealing with that, that gives the mortality me, of his own soul. That gives me kind of a posthumous, compassionate reflection because I'll be truthful. He irritates me or has for a long time. I've been like, oh, you know, the beady little glasses and just the muds and this. And I'm like, ah, oh, I just didn't like it. And now I feel kind of repentant of that notion. Not in it. I wouldn't right, no, horrible. I, I wouldn't yeah. hate her. No. But it's like whenever we come on, I'm like, dude, I just I don't get it. And we did that interview on terrestrial radio a long, long time ago with the guy that wrote the book that was basically saying, like, get rid of religion and everything will be happy. And I'm like, how do people say that? Did you miss out what the Bolsheviks and the Soviets <laughs> yeah, did yeah. and and Mao and, you didn't know. Didn't work so well. It didn't. No, that's that's good uh, Good meat, man. Good meatball. Yeah. I thought it'd be a good follow-up to what we were talking about concerning nihilism because you had mentioned that song when, when I started taking notes. And then you have that clear dichotomy of heaven and hell from Black Sabbath. And then you have the squish from John Lennon, which stereophonically sounds very good. It flows. It flows. It, it's it's great. Uh, Production-wise, it's a great song, but can't beat Heaven and Hell. I mean, it's just earthy, just raw, those riffs. Well, two we're metal. Oh. I mean, Glenn, that distortion, <laughs> that raw, like just, and I, I kept reminding me of War Pigs every once oh, in a while. or just that, That's another song that we're going to have to take a look at is War Pigs. He mentions the Day of Judgment. Yes, they peel the cover off. Black Sabbath is not what people made it out to be. They got their name from a horror film. Really? Yeah. That's where they got that from. They huh. like horror movies. Huh. Now, now I want to find out. I want to find the out goods. if Tavistock was behind them or what. Y'all look up. There, there's some different people. You can look up Sage of Quay. Interesting dude on YouTube, but he'll talk a lot about the Beatles. And, um, and some of those guys get really far out. When people start talking about energy and vibration and frequency and they get kind of new age, I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. But whenever they're, they're like, I don't know what truth is. I don't know exactly what God is. I get kind of excited because it's that, uh, what do we call it? Noble agnostic. The noble agnostic, yeah. yes. So oh, if anybody's stuff. got any questions for us, I'm going to have to cut down because my nose is getting plugged up more from oh, the coronavirus. I, I, do not have, <laughs> I do not have coronavirus. No, i got to pray no. about that thing, man. Yeah, That's not looking good. Not looking good at all. But if you've got any questions for us, reach out to us at lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com. You know, the cold does make me sound a little bit more gravelly. I it think it I may be. To, a little, like, smells like you smoked a cart. Maybe I should just camels. smoke a cart every time. Yeah, like, hey, it's Wolfman Jack. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Reach out, touch Glenn. <laughs> lithoscry, L-I-T-H-O-S-C-R-Y at gmail.com or lithoscry.com for our website. Lithoscry.com.